What is going on guys? Today we are talking Omega Speedmasters with a twist. Hey, there we are. It's Thursday. Welcome back. As promised, we weren't here last week, but as promised, a guest to the trading desk that's never been on the show before, Mr. Mike Michaels. It's good to be back. It's good to be back on here. This is the first time on the show with you. So I'm glad uh, after funny. trying to get Mike on for a little while, we were able to set it up. Uh, you know, I, I've said before, I think some of the content that you produced before, before uh, with your show, it's probably some of my favorite stuff that we've done as a company. I've always enjoyed doing it, too. I like, you know, as people know, anyone who watched me, they know I like sharing the information. I like um, just being able to describe what we do as watchmakers. So I, when you asked me to be on here, I thought, you know, why not? Let's do this. And we came up with a pretty cool topic, too. You know, and uh, I've said in the past, uh, coming up through Torno, the beginning of that was all education, and that was the mm -hmm. fun part. And then when it changes into something else, it becomes, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit more... Uh, less enjoyable and working with a lot of watchmakers you're like one of the watchmakers that's always happy to just tell somebody how to do something and less uh less trying to keep it a secret which yeah. it seems like a lot of watchmakers treat it like it's magic mm -hmm. and it's really not it should be about bringing people in you know and we we've talked about that and i've talked about that when i was doing shows before too and it's there's so many watchmakers that don't want to share the information you know, and you can't take it to the grave with you. Sure. you got to pass it on to the next generation. Um, the stuff that I've accumulated throughout the years, the knowledge, and just the small small tricks that I've learned, I love any time I get to share something and pass it along. Yeah. Um, show out, you know, just point out, hey, this caliber has this little quirk to it. You know, yeah. it's kind of a cool thing, and I get to show a watchmaker that, and I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. This show is going to be super cool. You guys got to stick around. Uh, we got some watches on the table. We got some movements on the table. Or a movement on the yeah, table. A movement. It's going to be some cool stuff, and uh, we're going to talk about the future of kind of my idea of what Mike, when he comes on the show, what we're going to do. So we're going to roll into uh, customary wrist check, which we uh, often do here right off the beginning. This is my newest piece. Um, been wearing this like crazy. This is the uh, Octo Finissimo Titanium, for those of you that aren't watching but are listening in the uh, limited edition one of 200 uh, blue dial or blue markers rather and uh, in titanium just a joy to wear super thin uh, micro rotor automatic i am going to go ahead and give you a rush uh, movement shot too because it's too pretty not to get in there i think it's so thin and it's, it is light as a feather it is awesome it's got to work great platinum micro rotor uh noisy as all hell i will say because yep. the watch is thin and it needs to wind itself but uh just a joy to wear and really kind of like a my first kind of uh feat of engineering watch yeah. and when you talk about noisy too uh the reason for that is without even looking at it i'm sure it has ceramic ball bearings yeah and it's one of the things ceramic ball bearings they run without any kind of lubrication so we actually hear comments and i hear comments from people that own micro rotors my watch is noisy it's supposed to be because the freedom um Ceramic ball bearings are treated a little different. They're not clean the same way. They can't go through an ultrasonic because they'll actually they'll, they can fracture. So they're uh, they're actually just cleaned in a little petri dish, and blown off with air. It's uh, it's you know one of those. It's technology. You know, it's technology we're putting in the watches. Yeah. It's Plus, very cool. Doesn't hurt that uh, I own a very very tiny piece of platinum. Right yeah, now, that's so. very very cool. What are you wearing? <coughs> so I am wearing. I have a one four five zero one two. Um, 1967 and it's a piece that i actually just finished uh just finished doing overhaul on and everything and it's a dot over 90 bezel on it 
and it's uh it's really really a nice piece um been wearing it for about a week now been have a few shots of it up on instagram too as i finished it and and see if we can try to get in here on this yeah so the uh there we are the rarity of that piece and and how authentic it is and yeah. when mike was telling me about him finishing it up kind of sparked this show it's just and it's what such, we're going to talk about nice piece yeah it's got some really uh, nice patina yeah. on it it's nice it and even the piece it, the watches works the hands everything matches the luminous um on a piece like this when i'm you know i don't want to change the hands on it so what i'll do is i'll actually take uh pull the hands off and seal them just seal the luminous it's on there just to keep it keep it as uh as genuine as i can and we hear we talk hear people talk about dot over 90 bezel that's actually you look at the 90 right here let's see if i can try to get it in here and the index point is actually right above it's above the number 90 and we have another uh couple more variations of that right yeah. here that we'll show in a little bit that's a very cool watch though it's a cool piece. It came out really, really nice. Yeah, it did. It talk did. about like preserving something for yeah. the next hundred years. You know? <clears throat> and we talk about preserving it too. What I do is, anytime I do a service on something like this, I'll change the crystal. I'll change all the gaskets. I change the pushers. Uh, this one, I didn't change the crown because it, it passed the water resistance and the gaskets were still good in it. So I want to keep it as original as possible, but I still want to protect the integrity of the yeah. dial and the movement and everything else because that's where that's where everything's at with this watch. And a lot of people don't realize, like, vintage watches is all about triage. Yeah. It's all about what actually needs to be done and what can be saved. Exactly. And the more pieces can be saved, the more valuable watch. Absolutely. I mean, people want, the, they want that condition. They want the, the history of that watch. You know, we're talking about something here that's, you know, 50 years old. Right. It's, it's a beautiful piece. And I'm getting some... Uh, Quick yeah. question here. Uh, this is not tea, in case you were wondering. Yeah. People said tea times. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Uh, anyone for those anyone you, that's watched my show, they know what I'm drinking. Yeah, so for those of you that are asking, that would be uh, McAllen 15 in the glass. Watches on the table, whiskey in the glass. Absolutely. All right. Um, a little happy hour show. So we have this little segment. It's kind of uh, run its course on trading desk. It's top five. So uh, pretty much every guest that's ever done the show does a top five with me uh -oh. and what the top five is is uh and you're not privy to these watches i'm not you've not seen these so it's just we're going to do a real quick run through what this is there's the top five clicked watches okay the, on the website this week oh really that's yeah. really cool so uh starting number five uh we all know what that piece is mm -hmm. uh why don't you tell us uh rolex daytona right classic rolex reference daytona and that actually that one looks like the uh el primero yep so this is the uh the El Primero movement, mm -hmm. Zenith movement, very famous. Everybody knows the watch. White dial, uh, running right around eighteen nine fifty, nineteen okay. grand. Currently, um, you know, listen, El Primero Daytonas. When they hit the website, people They're click gone. on them. No, no question as to why that watch is there. Uh, number four, we're going to run through these quickly because okay. we got a lot of stuff on the table. Uh, number four is the twenty nine millimeter Royal Oak seventy four fifty. I'm assuming somebody saw a watch AP blue dial, eight grand. Clicked it, realized it's twenty nine millimeters. Yep. Awesome piece, probably not going to sell very quickly, but for the misses, great watch. Or if you're a smaller guy, mid-sized watch. Um, this watch I actually handled today for a customer who asked me for pictures. IWC Big Pilot. This is the bronze. That's the bronze. The bronze heritage. is a beautiful color. It's actually color really, too. really pretty in person. Uh, that picture I can just doesn't do it justice. Uh, blued hands, bronze case. The dial has like a very cool granular finish to it. Titanium case back, which is nice, so you're not wearing the bronze on, yeah, your, turning on green. your skin. Um, but yeah, 9450 say they sell for right around nine grand. Awesome watch. Uh, Wanting to tell us number two. Uh, number two is the classic. That is, is that the one one? Yeah. And it's it's just a classic watch. It's a transition piece. Uh, give me a sapphire crystal on that one. 
and it's uh, just one of the most beautiful watches. Uh, I have an old 1675 that I absolutely love that you know very well. <laughs> yes. Uh, may or may not have been responsible for sourcing yes. said watch, <laughs> uh, which your, your piece is actually very special. It's a Cornino yeah, case. Cornino yeah. case. Yeah, it has a point awesome of Awesome watch. Yeah, it's a beautiful Florida. piece. I love that watch. Listen, you can't go wrong with the vintage Pepsi when you consider what the newer ones are doing on the market. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you want to buy something for not a whole lot of money, realistically, when we're talking about steel Rolex. That's going to hold its money, is, too. And it's already been discontinued. You're already mm -hmm. buying some collectability aspect to it. So, uh, hey, listen, number two is probably my pick of, of what's there, I would say. Um, number one, it's a, the hot that's list. a Frankenstein of a pick. That is. That is. Uh, a lot of clicks, huh? I guess. Number one click, okay. watch the week. Uh yeah, I don't know. Um, um, that wouldn't be my choice. But. Yeah, not my, it's a very complex movement. Um, it, they're interesting movements. They're when you look at them, when you really throw a loop on them, they're actually uh, they're over engineered. I guess would be a way to describe yeah. it with the jump hour and everything else. It's a flyback jump hour, and it's uh, it's big. It's big pieces. If you want to get into something that's kind of like a funky piece of timekeeping that is not an RM, that's not going to yeah. cost you a hundred grand, and you can play with it. And let's say you spend fifteen to sixteen grand for that pre-owned, and you know wear it for two years and turn around and sell it for ten. You know, then you paid the price to own something that's funky. But, it's a uh, machine. It's, it's a machine a cool watch. watch. Yeah. It's definitely different. Give it that. All right, so that's top five. A little bit more of a uh, fast forward. That was, top five. That was cool. That was fun to do. It's fun to do when you don't know what they are and they exactly. I had you, no but, idea. Um, all right. Well, what do we got on the table, man? We got a <coughs> lot of Speedmasters. We got Speedmasters all over. We the got place, some sir. very cool vintage stuff that we'll get to. Yeah. That this is actually Mike's mm. private stuff. I don't know. You can't see this back here. Awesome Mark II. Mm. We got some stuff from the website that's available. We have a movement that we can talk about. Why don't you uh, take a pick where All you right. want to start? Um, let's start with, let's. we're going to use everything for a reference. We're going to start with the movement. All right. So what we have here is we have an, uh, the 861 movement. And if we can get in here on this. This is the power for majority of the Speedmasters. Uh, this is not an Omega. This is a regular Lemania base, which actually they're a manufacturer of the movement. So this is the 861 that's in all the current uh, <coughs> Speedmasters, excuse me, um, and and not only Omega, but everybody's using, anyone who uses the Lamania movement, this this is the, the new version. What you see on this one, this is not the column wheel movement, the 321, which was the, the introduction to this, was actually the column wheel movement. This one is actually a cam operated, uh, cam operated start and stop. And uh, let's see if we can get in here and, and operate it here. See if we can go. You can actually th see the cam moving. Cam's in indexing inside and out. Chronograph on and the chronograph off. And that's as simple as it is. It's a, it's a complex watch, but it's made very, very robust. Um, you don't, again, you don't have the column wheel of rotating parts. You don't have anything pulling the column wheel into position. You just have the simple on, off on the cam. Um, if we want to get just a little more technical, we can look right in here, and if you can actually see the engagement wheel right there, the transmission wheel, that's engaging into the chronograph, and that's turning it off. And it's, that's really all it does. But it's a great movement. They're fun to service. Um, and we actually have uh, a lot of different versions of them here, different finishes. So you know, the, why don't we get into some of those? So one of the cool things with that movement is it's it's – a relatively inexpensive, yep. iconic movement. Yep. So we don't have to get into something that costs an arm and a leg to, exactly. to have something that has some, some real history. 
they're durable as all hell. Mm -hmm. They're easy to work on, right? I and mean, relatively. Relatively is you can get in trouble with them. Yeah, but, but they are easy to work on. It's a lot easier to work on than a three twenty one. Right. So I mean, listen, it's a winner of a movement, yep. and you're going to find it in a majority of speedmasters, and there's no no way to go wrong with that. Movement. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> so when we start talking about the speedmasters. We have the one I'm, that I actually wore in here, which is the uh, the one four five zero one two. But we have something very special too. That's a cool piece. Yeah, this is a really cool piece. And as soon as we see if anybody signs yeah. in on the comments, anybody yeah. know what that is? Uh, even, yeah, let let's uh, someone chime in. And, here's and, a hint: and, it was on my Instagram yeah. earlier. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, yeah I actually uh, I got some pictures of this watch when it first came in, and this is a uh, it's just an absolutely beautiful piece. Um, extremely, extremely rare. And so, uh, yeah, we were talking to uh, you guys may or may not know Mr. Tim Masso. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if we you don't, I don't know why you're here. Yeah, but exactly. uh, just the world's walking foremost authority on pretty much all watches yeah. uh, said that that watch is probably as limited as uh, I believe he said 50, maybe 50 yeah. known pieces in the world. Yeah, and um, we don't know how many survived. Yeah, so we so. don't actually know. But uh, so that's uh, what we would call an original Ultraman. Yeah, that, this came in as an original Ultraman. Um, it actually went to Omega for full service uh, because we wanted the provenance for the watch. Sure. And it's it's just a really, really cool piece, and it's something you just don't come across. You don't see them. It's a cool piece. One of the things that you got to really respect about the Speedmasters is how the heritage of the piece has been preserved all the way through the years. Yeah. We do have a, uh, a 006, a Sapphire Sandwich here, which is a current generation piece. And if I did this... And you look at something, I mean, how could you get a more faithful reproduction? Absolutely. And that's a watch anybody can afford. Anyone can afford. Anywhere. The 006 is probably, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, bang for the buck. Um, you know, back when Josh and I used to do best bang for the buck shows, for the money, uh, Speedmaster is hard to beat. It's similar to a Submariner in the respect that, like, no matter how far you get with watch collecting, mm -hmm. it still has a place because yeah. it's still the, you know, it's still the moon watch. It's still it, it, something it, iconic. Exactly. <coughs> and there's the highly finished 1861 movement. Yeah, this one's really pretty. Yeah, it has Geneva stripes. It's just, it's really done well. Bevels. Um, it's just a very, very pretty display on that watch. This is why you pay a little bit more and get exactly. a sapphire sandwich because that movement deserves to be seen. And we talk about the sapphire sandwich. You want to explain that? Sure. So uh, essentially, um, you know, watches, the watch industry is all really weird, silly, stupid <laughs> nicknames. <laughs> Uh, because we think we're funny, um, but it's basically just two pieces of sapphire sandwiched mm -hmm. on top of the watch. So you get a sapphire crystal on the front as opposed to the Hesalite, mm -hmm. and instead of the closed case back, you get the uh, sapphire case back as well. So if you were going into space, you'd want the Hesalite and you, you'd want a closed case back. Exactly. But since none of us are getting on SpaceX anytime <laughs> soon, uh, sapphire sandwich is a more daily wearable. <coughs> and that's how I look at it too. I look at it. Um, I love the Speedmasters. I love the Halite crystals. I love the the history behind it. I love the reasoning that they had to do that. Um, you know, I'm sure everybody you know, watching right now understands why they still use the Halite crystals on mm -hmm. the on the Speedmasters. If they break in outer space, you can't have a piece of glass going into uh, in, in uh, um, instruments. Right. So it's basically a glass bullet at that point. Exactly. It's... So that's that's the reason they're still using the Halite. Uh, the, the downfall is it does scratch, but it's also you can also polish it very easily. Yeah. And you also get the cool little Omega symbol right you in the middle of it. wear jeans that have a little coin pocket. You carry yeah. some poly watch yeah. with and there you, you're go. good to go. But, uh, <coughs> awesome. So, so Sapphire Sandwich, I think, for you know sub four grand is is a watch that should you should try at least once. I personally have had that watch a couple times. Mm -hmm. They never quite stick around for me. 
but you know, I had the experience. I tried it. I tried it again. I tried it again. Didn't I, stick, I love but it. I'll probably own another one. Yeah. You never know. I mean, it's one of those watches. It's like, eh, if, um, I'll probably own another one. For an everyday wear, that's the pro- that's probably the watch for the Omega that I would probably want. Is just the because uh, the ones I have, I just I can't wear them. Yeah. You know, just because we'll get to that in a little yeah. bit. So uh, I do want to here. Let's pull this piece here. This is cool. that's such a cool dial. So this is. Um, this is more of the gonna be iconic. This is already climbing the charts. Um, so this is the Tintin. This is a reproduction Tintin. So current generation, it's got the you know the solid bracelet, the newer buckle, all that sapphire uh, jazz. Look at that dial with the race flag. It's gorgeous. It's very cool. Um, I could definitely see you know this is something that's like uh, the step up. So let's say you owned a 006, sold it, whatever. You got a gray side, maybe you sold it because it wasn't the original 42 millimeter case. Hey, you know what? This thing's pretty cool. It's climbing the ladder. It's worth more money than it's ever been worth. Um, it's just really, really nice. And I can tell you, looking at the screen, there you go. It jumps. The, the checkered flag jumps more in person than it does right there on the screen, but that's a pretty good reproduction. Yeah, the, the colors are just incredible that on that. Yeah. The colors are just they're absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's a nice piece. I mean, uh, we're talking, I think Tintin's right now are somewhere right around ten grand, $9,500, bucks, something like that. Yeah, I never noticed that, too. You have the red engraving in the back, too. Yeah. Uh, the back's filled down the red. I'm assuming that's enamel. Yeah, it's yeah. enamel just in the in the engraving. Instead of the black, nice you get the red. It's nice. Yeah. Flight qualified. A little something uh, special for yourself that's not out on the outside of the it's watch. A very cool watch. All right, and then probably uh, <coughs> my, my favorite watch on that table is going to be the one right in the middle. Yeah, it's that good. thing's awesome. And we'll start in the back by by showing what by it is. By telling you what it is. And this is the the 1969 the Apollo. That thing's awesome. It is just the Apollo 11, uh, 1969. So the original uh, Apollo 11, right? We're we're, we're coming mm-hmm. up on the anniversary. We have the Apollo mission anniversary. They have the newer uh, limited edition piece. 321 that's coming out. based. 321, 321 movement. 321 based. On the solid gold bracelet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thing is expensive as all hell, but super awesome. This I can't thing, wait to see one though. This thing has had a good life. If you look at that, you know, it's got a couple little, which is what you want, right? You want to see it's that. It's got some wear. It's a gold it's watch, though, too. Yeah, so I for mean, a, it's gold a gold watch, watch, it actually, it's had, uh, it, it has, it's been loved, um, but it's not been abused. It's lightly worn. I would, yeah. so there are a couple little spots on the bezel, but that's what you want. I mean, you yeah. don't want to buy something that's had, you know, two lives before you own it and it look like it's yeah. never been. That's a shame. And again, dot over 90 on it. Dot over 90. Red super bezel. cool piece. Red bezel. Just, I mean, the dial has so much depth and complexity to it with the, the yeah, markers. It's just a beautiful it's really nice. piece, though. Yeah, I love that watch, too. You, and, just, uh, you just don't see them. In today's age, when you're when we're talking about, you know, we often talk about uh, stainless steel Submariner mm-hmm. stuff like that that's going crazy. A steel watch like this, this is a good buy, right, for a steel watch because you get a lot of bang for your buck. But if you're going to spend, let's say you're going to spend ten grand on something like this and it's still steel, that's $15,000. That's it? Yeah. I didn't even realize that. I mean, so that, that's the funny that's thing. That's a too. piece of history. You know, talking about you know being on the trading desk. Yeah. I don't see the prices of watches. Right. I worry about the repairs of them. I worry about getting them back into condition. <clears throat> I don't focus on the actual price of them. So it's good for me to learn the prices, and that's why I refer to you guys. You know, a lot. It's it's actually kind of fun. You know, a lot of times I'll just be you know knocked out when I hear the prices of watches. Right. And both high and low. You know, I expect something to be worth a lot more, and it's not. And vice versa. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's so much fun, though. There's there's been a few. Um, we've gotten a few variations of this. And I think we had two of these. 
I, I think they're very fairly priced for what they are. Some of the, you know, they can go as high as 20 grand, uh, just when we're talking mm-hmm. market spe- perspective. Something like, like that one's pretty nice. I would assume it's probably closer towards the top of the market, but 15 to 20 grand is totally doable for that yeah. reference. And for what you're getting for the first Apollo coming up on an anniversary of the Apollo, you're probably looking at some uptick there in the next six yeah. months to a year, I would say. Yeah, especially when they start, um, I don't know exactly when they're going to release that watch or when they're going to start delivering them. People are uh, already all over asking about, you know, I was uh, walked by Omega Boutique yesterday and they had the giant gold moon man in the mm-hmm. window, so you know it's coming. But, um, yeah, I think that's a that's a cool pickup. It's, it's going to be so cool. I, I'm looking forward to it because I just want to see what they've done to the movement because they, they went back to the 321. Right. I want to see what kind of finishes they've done because as we know they use a 321. Vacheron still uses right. it. Patek so used it you, for a while. So you're reserving judgment on the new 321? <laughs> I'm not reserving judgment. I just want to see how well they finished it. I want to see because I don't even – I've seen some of the pictures they came out with where it's going to be copper, but is it going to be delivered in copper? Right. Are they going to rhodium plate it? Um, to follow the 1861, are they going to keep the old heritage? It's going to be interesting to see what, what route they take with it. I've heard both sides of the corn. I've heard uh, watch guys say, oh, they would have loved a new, like, 1321 yep. with the mm-hmm. coax. Right. Well, they would have loved a reimagination of the mm-hmm. 321. I've heard watch geeks say, no, it had to be the original 321, which it really isn't because it's a whole new, you know, rebuild of a yep. 321. So we'll see. I don't know. I personally, I need to see one in person. Um it, one, it could be. I think it'll be really nice. I don't know if it's going to be worth the money. Right. Nice, but well, one of the things people are talking about is this does not mean because they're going to manufacture 321 again, the 321 parts are going to become available. Yeah, um, they're they're not. 321 parts are very very scarce, and that's why anytime you do a service on one, um, it, it's a different. You have to treat it entirely different. Um, the delicacy you have to use. We can't get springs for them. We can't get return springs for them. There's a lot of lot of parts we cannot get. <laughs> what, so any kind of 321s, it's um, it's a different service than an 861 or an 1861. It's really not a bad thing. No. I mean, it's so if they did start reproducing the 321 parts, all of a sudden, if you own stock in a 321, yeah. you know, what are you looking yeah. at? So it's really not a bad thing. It is kind of them preserving the market. So I, I agree. Um, similar to that, and I will just throw a car reference out there because, because of Tommaso and because of who I am. But uh, it was recently announced that Nissan is going to start rebuilding the RB26, which is the Skyline motor. Okay. They're going to start selling it as a crate motor. All right. So uh, in two years, the R34 generation becomes import into the U.S. So I don't know how I feel about that. Like, as a car guy, I'm like, great, now I really want a Skyline. But if I had one, I'd be pissed. Yeah. So in in similar way, if you already own a 321, you know, sigh of relief that you're probably not going to, you know, get pushed out of the market. But Yeah. Uh, I pulled that gray. I wanted to pull a regular gray side. Um, I didn't see one in the vault. I saw this. It's actually a really, really pretty piece. So this is the this meteorite a special dial. Yeah, yep. meteorite dial, Sedna gold bezel. Um, actually, you know, it's it's really, really nice. So I wasn't too disappointed that I couldn't find the regular one when I saw this uh, winking at me. But uh, really, really cool piece. And the gray side. I've I've said it before. The gray side is my favorite side of the moon. Yeah. I love the gray side. The dark side's cool because it was the first, and, mm-hmm. and you know you can only ever be the the first first. But to me, the gray side, the subtlety of the of the gray ceramic, really really plays well with all Doesn't of the, the finishing. The, the platinum they, dial too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so just, it's absolutely beautiful dial on it. I just you know if it was me and I was going to wear one of these size Speedmasters, mm-hmm. it would be the gray side. And these are all ceramic cases. Yeah. Yeah, which is uh, they're really nice. But the dial on this, to me, is just what sets it off. Anyone who knows me, they know I love meteorite dials. Yeah, meteorite's super cool. I like. I happen to really, really like when it's like an accent of meteorite, like yeah. when they're in the sub-dials mm-hmm. for certain pieces. I think that's pretty plus. Yeah, Rolex likes to do that. Yeah. 
Well, you know what I'm excited mm-hmm. about is that, uh, not to get into Rolex too much, but the GMT with the meteorite dial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't seen God, one yet. So I'm, I'm, assuming the they're, I'm assuming they're not delivering yet because we haven't seen the watch, but we haven't even been pitched one yet. Mm-hmm. And we're usually the first one to get pitched. So we'll see. It's going to be nice. I yeah, think. it's just uh, the pictures of it looked incredible. Because nothing is nothing is as pretty as <coughs> as the cut that uh, Rolex uses. On and the, the, the funny yeah. the funny thing about the meteorite dials too, they all come from the same meteorites. They all Gibeon, right? uh, yeah across the board. All the manufacturers they use, they all come from the same meteor, the, uh, the Gibeon meteor. Mm-hmm. And it's just everyone has a different cut for it though, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's so cool. It's prehistoric from. Did we do space. everything that we brought beside your watches? Or? We, we no, there's we one piece. We didn't do this Apollo. Hey, another Apollo. Yeah, we have another. We Apollo. promise, super rare. Yeah. This is another Apollo piece. Different piece. Which yeah. Apollo is that? This is uh, which one is this? This is Apollo 13. There you go. Yep. Signed by Tom Hanks. That's just so cool, though. That is a pretty cool dial. And again, even patina. Yeah, one of the things with these pieces is when they wear, they generally yep. wear pretty well until they just completely go to shit. And then, then you get like pitted dials and really, yep. but. And I literally finished this piece today. Did you? And the difference on this one, I should have left the back loose on it. Um, the difference on this movement, as they went through the different variations of 861s and 1861s, <coughs> they changed the finish on them, where they originally started out in copper, then they went to a yellow finish. This one actually has the yellow finish. It's more, it's gold. Nice. Um, then they went back and they went to a, uh, a less refined um, uh uh, rhodium finish, okay. kind of like this finish right here, and then the new ones are all have the the, the beautifully you know finished pieces. Right. And then these are we're still talking; these are machine finished, right? Yes, I'm still machine finished. Yes. All right. So, uh, closed case back on that Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. New owner can take solace in the fact that yeah, Mike it, Michael said it has a really really pretty movement. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. Movement, super clean. Don't try and open it <laughs> yourself. Please don't try to be this calling at home. Mike again. Yeah, and we say this all the time. Don't try this at home. All right. Um, so recap, bunch of Speedmasters, some really cool ones, some ones <coughs> with, without what makes it a Speedmaster uh, in just a movement, and then uh, Mike treated us well, the to... Thing, we have 50 years of Speedmasters here. Yeah. You know, that, that's the thing. We have... Not to mention, we probably got uh, I don't know, 150 grand on the table, yeah, something, something like that. that. Yeah. All right. So Mike treated us to uh, something kind of special. I've, I've brought my own pieces. Two of in. his own pieces. A uh, little bit of... Uh, that's a Mark II. Um, it's. I've always loved the Mark II. I've worked on so many Mark IIs throughout the years. Uh, I was actually able to find this one. It's. This is a very old Omega box. Yes, <laughs> it came with the box, uh, warranty cards, everything. Um, it's. I haven't even serviced this watch yet. I don't even know that I will. Um, it's just. It's a, basically a time capsule, and it even has the ink protecting the seahorse still on the back. That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, the watch is just so cool. I've never seen one from 1971, I think it is, was it was a sale date in this good a condition. It's uh, it's actually an incredible piece. Yeah. Um, someday I might get bored and service it, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. I've always I've always liked the Mark II case. It's I love the Mark II case. It wears well. It it's not thick. You know, it just it's a, it's a beautiful beautiful case. It's iconically vintage. Many companies have done their own. You know, like the Chronoris mm-hmm. or any other any other company that's tried to use that case. It screams 70s when it's on your wrist. It sure and, does. Uh, it's just, it's a really, really clean, pretty aesthetic, too. And the, and the tachymeter on this one <coughs> is actually on the crystal. It's printed on the crystal, so you get a 3D effect with it. Uh, it's, it's a mineral crystal. That's about the only drawback on it, where the, it will scratch. 
But it's uh, it's just a really, really cool watch. And like I said, I've worked on these throughout the years, and I've always wanted one, and this is the nicest one I've seen, so that's why I had to grab it. Yeah, it's pretty. And just um, no hesitation on that. And it's just, like I said, it's just something that I'll always have. And there's something about, like, we were talking about the 4.5s and, like, the Mark IIs. Like, mm -hmm. there's something about something that look you know, it looks like it belongs in Aliens. Yeah, like, it, Ripley it, should be wearing yeah, that watch. Exactly. It's crazy. Um, they actually did a nice job on the remake, though. Omega did. The Mark IIs, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. all the Mark IIs, mm -hmm. even the current generations, yep. when we talk about bang for the buck and something like this versus a regular yeah. Speedmaster, mm -hmm. the newer generation Mark IIs are awesome for the money. Well, even these Mark IIs, um, the prices on these, you could find it, still find a really nice one for $2,500, $3,000. A really nice one in, in good condition. Yeah. Um, they just they haven't appreciated like Speedmasters have yet. This is where, I, think, I think they're coming. This is where the money's at. And this is the Mark II is really nice, yep. but this is the uh, this is the piece right yeah. there. This is the same thing. This is a one forty. One forty. Yeah, I one forty five oh one two, and it's uh again my one of my personal watches with the bracelet, and the correct end pieces, everything. It's just in uh, the, the, the box. It's um <coughs> actually I did uh I did the overhaul on this watch. This was one of my segments where I did a, a four part segment. Okay. Actually. Documented that the overhaul this of, of this watch. Nice. Yes, it is my own piece. So it's a, the the watch has its wear and tear, you know, which is what I wanted. Right. I didn't want something perfect. Um, again, you know, no refinish on it or anything. And I've I've worn hell, I've worn the hell out of it. <laughs> is know, it just, uh, is it a case of like the what the you know uh, shoemaker's kids syndrome like do you start stuff and not finish it when it's for yourself or no no it's you there is a place where you could stop you, mm -hmm. there's always a level you could stop but there's also also all you can always go too far and i just because of how i am again i want to protect the integrity of the movement i want to you know the movement's serviced well serviced the 321 is super clean the dial on it wasn't i didn't care right you know i wanted that character um you can actually see on there again there's a little blemish under the sub dial. Yeah, I did notice that when I was yeah, playing yeah, with it. Yeah, uh, under the know, minute recorder sub dial. Little, but I like that. Character. You know, it's uh, you know, the watch has some history. It's been worked on before, and uh, it's it's not perfect, but that's what I like about it, for a watch that's uh, that's almost as old as I am. I've yeah, always awesome. I've always really admired vintage watches. I've never gotten to the point where I'm comfortable sinking money into a vintage <laughs> watch because I'm not a watchmaker, yeah. and I know uh, it's a fine balance of yeah. trusting a watchmaker with your watch. Maybe I should pick something up and have you do it. Um, but uh, there is something really, really cool to connecting to the well, past. I think we did a Speedmaster like for you already. Or Seamaster. Seamaster, yeah. We the did vintage Seamaster. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd call that vintage. Yeah, that was it. made when I was alive. Okay. So I don't, you yeah. know, that's what, if it was like a 60s piece, 70s piece, then I think that would qualify. <coughs> but awesome. So we got some stuff that's for sale. Uh, roughly, we got some stuff that's not for sale. We discussed whiskey. We discussed watches on our wrist. Uh, Mike's wearing a loop, which he has not used yet. Uh, I think he just forgot that I he was forgot to take it off it. today. And uh, one of the things, uh, so I'm going to get into kind of the idea of what I think you guys can comment. You can uh, let me know what you think. And Mike and I have discussed this a little bit. I think, you know, we've discussed in the in the past that the way this is going to kind of work without Thanos here anymore is I'm just, you know, I'm going to keep doing the show. I'm going to have a pretty steady, you know, round of guests three to four people, I mm -hmm. think, is kind of the number that I'm shooting for. I would like to have Mike on pretty regularly. Um, you know, we've said Manjos, he's been on. Uh, I would love to have Elena on more. And then maybe, you know, depending on how Q acts, maybe Sequan, uh, I love you. Um, so <laughs> love you, my thought for Mike, and obviously we'd be 
you know, uh, open to any ideas. We would be uh, remiss if we didn't yeah. use your watchmaking expertise. Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I was a big fan of like the overhead camera technical stuff. Mm -hmm. What I would love to do, and you guys let me know, is do like watches and movements. Just loosely what we base this show on, but it was kind of off off the cuff, and it was like, hey, let's do Speedmasters. Yep. You happen to have a movement. So what I'm thinking is maybe we bring three watches in. We bring the three movements that go in those watches. We can line that up, and you know we can flip it over, and you can show us what makes it tick. Okay. Yeah, because a lot of people are interested in that. Um, <clears throat> everybody sees the dial side of the, of the watches. If you have a closed case back, no one knows what the movements look right. like. We could talk about the variations of them, and we can go through some of the intricacies, and we can go through the... Um, just the changes that different brands use on the same watch and the same movement. I think it'll be a pretty cool concept. I'm excited for that. I don't, I mean, it just doesn't exist. There's yeah. no content like that online. And listen, we already do tons of really cool creative content that you can't get elsewhere, but there's always room for improvement. And I think if we bring in your overrig camera yeah. and we have you do some cool technical stuff that people don't see everywhere else, it's really exciting. Yeah. And it's good too because. You know, as you know, I'm, I can sit here, I can do things. We could have the camera, and I can explain to you what we're doing, right. and you can ask the questions too. You know, yeah. just as as an enthusiast, you know, as a uh, as a watch buyer, you can ask exactly what is this. You know, when we talk, we mention oscillating weight. What is an oscillating weight? What does it do? Right. And we can actually demonstrate those different components. And um, we can get as basic or mm -hmm. as complex as, as you're comfortable one doing on camera yeah. and as you know. I'll they, go crazy they on camera. Be, people yeah. people have seen me. They know I'll I'll do anything on camera. Uh, there was one episode <laughs> where I think you like popped the mainspring and it went actually, flying. Actually, and that was... actually, Sequan popped the mainspring. Oh, I gave yeah, it to him I and I told him it was going to happen, and then right. I think it flew out and hit Harrison. All right. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's the idea for the show. I'm probably going to do it anyways. So, you know, you yeah. feel free to chime in, you know, I make, love your, the idea. make your voice heard, but it's probably going to happen anyways. Let's be real. Yeah. And Mike I, signed up, so. I, yeah, I love the idea of doing it live again. Awesome. You know, I just like, because anything can happen. Anything can go wrong. Right. That's the fun of it. All right. And then uh, just before we head out for uh, today, I kind of want to open up the chat box uh, to Mike Michaels. Sure. To our <coughs> people in the chat who are always uh, faithfully in the chat talking crap to each other. Um, maybe we can get your attention. And if you have a pressing question for a watchmaker, uh, you know, that's pretty cool because not mm -hmm. everybody gets an open channel to a watchmaker. You know, usually it's this guy in Switzerland talks to that guy in Switzerland talks to that guy, and nobody talks to the watchmaker. Yeah, or the watchmaker sitting behind a glass so, uh, glass window, you yeah. know, and, yeah, that's him over there. It's, you know, like they're fishing the tank. So, uh, you know, while we uh, shoot the shit here, if anybody has questions for Mike, specifically about watchmaking and or watches or you know how he takes his coffee whatever give it in the chat and we'll i'll keep an eye on that cool. but uh yeah so it was, it was awesome having you on the show i don't know uh i'm sure you watch and you watch the shows yeah. pretty regularly mm -hmm. so we just hit eighty six thousand subscribers on, cool. on the awesome. channel that's a lot of people um so yeah that's super exciting we uh launched a new website I know we talked about that mm -hmm. for a little bit. So a whole new, it's not a reskin. I mean, it's a whole new website. There's new. a lot right. of work involved in that. And uh, happy to say it works. My favorite part of the website is the search box. It works really, really well, I'm happy to say, because the old one didn't work that well. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's pretty good. It could use some improvements, but it's working. So it's, we're halfway there. All right, I'm going to scroll in here. Let's see if anybody has any question. Uh, Russell996 says, Mike, best finish movement? Question mark. Oh, <laughs> That's tough. Uh, it's it's got to be either Geneva seal or Florier seal. Um, the paddock finishes, the new paddock seal takes it one step further than Geneva seal. Um, if you put them next to each other, you can see the striping is different. Um, the Geneva seal striping is different than the paddock striping. 
when we talk about paddock seals and fleurier seals, that's actually a case to watch too. So it's not just the finish of the movement, uh, the bevels, uh, the, the, the way the springs are made, there's no metal springs, um, no actually bent metal springs, they're all cut springs. So when you start getting into those, those finishes, uh, it's a whole different level. Cut screws, pinned hair springs. Nice. Um, it's, it's very, very cool. All right. And very delicate to work on. That's the other thing, too. Anytime you service one of those, you have to take special precautions, wrap the parts before you wash them. All right. Second question. Uh, and the questions are rolling in, so this is awesome. Awesome. Uh, you still have the Tudor Chrono Blue? I do. I love it. Awesome. Uh, let's see here. That's a value Orange question. Trap. That's not for Mike. Um, any tricks to regulating movement if you don't have access to electronic tools? <coughs> um, the short answer is yes. Uh, I know that there's something about like the positioning yes. of the watch, and you can speed it up and slow it yeah. down. So, and, and that's the whole thing too. Um, normally, when I do a watch, all my personal watches, I'll do a five-position time slip, sometimes a six-position timing slip, because in one position, the watch is either going to run fast or slow. So, if it doesn't have a hack, like none of these watches right here have a hack, which means if you pull the crown out, it's not going to stop the second hand. Um, if the can pinion is adjusted correctly, it, you can go backwards, and that'll actually stop it. But if you just want to, if you're running about five seconds fast, I'll know what position this watch is going to run five seconds, you know, fast or slow in. And that's how I'll set it down at night. I'll let the watch run overnight, pick it up the next day, and the timing's going to be right on. If I need to speed it up, I'm going to set it down in the, in the opposite position. <coughs> and that'll actually speed it up. It allows you to, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. really, really, you don't need any tools, right. right? You don't even need electronic tools. Exactly. You don't need any tools. You don't even have to open the watch if you're lucky enough for that if to If you're lucky enough, and I'll, again... Um, ask your watchmaker to give you a positional test of the watch. Right. So that way you know when you're uh, ahead of time if you need to speed the watch up or slow it down. Specifically on vintage watches, that's handy because you're going to wear the mm -hmm. watch and you're going to know you need to knock it down a little bit. Exactly. You know? But uh, We always want to run on the positive side. We want the averages to be on the positive side right. of zero. Um, that's not always obtainable because, uh, you know, gravity plays, plays an effect. How you take the watches off. Some are going to run faster, dial up, and dial down. They, they shouldn't run too much faster, <coughs> but at the same time, put in positions, and that's what's going to that's what's going to regulate it. But you need to know ahead of time what you're doing. Sure. Two two more, and then we're going to end it because uh, we're running you know pretty much on schedule. Awesome. So, um, if you weren't a watchmaker, what would you be? I used to be an airplane mechanic. Would you still be an airplane mechanic? I might. Okay. I still love aircraft. Easy answer. I didn't think it was going to be that easy. Yeah, but that was an easy one. He's a definitive kind I of I started out life that way. All right. Let's see here. What's another good one? Uh, from Burning Man, Mr. B. Mike, do you advise manually winding the 2824 or let it wind up uh, via arm of movement? I, first of all, if anyone that's watched me or knows me, they know I don't like, um, I don't like uh, automatic winders. I'd rather have the watch wind itself down. These are all manual wind watches, so if you're not wearing it, it's naturally going to wind itself down. That's a good thing because you're taking the pressure off of mainspring. You're taking the pressure off all the pinions. You're letting the oils just kind of seep back into where they're supposed to be. When you pick the watch up, you wind it, and you're giving that watch life. You're giving it power, and you're bringing it back to life. To me, it's the same thing for an automatic. If you're not going to wear the watch every day, then, you know, by all means, pick it up. Wind it, a 2824, 2892, it doesn't matter. Pick it up and wind it. You can't overwind the watch. You physically cannot do it. Um, the mainspring itself has a bridle where it actually slips inside the barrel. It gets to a certain point, it'll just it'll slip. You can't hurt it. <coughs> so I, I, I'm a proponent for picking a watch up in the morning, 
wind in it, whether it's automatic or whether it's uh, manual wind. I personally, if I'm wearing an automatic watch, I like to wind it full. Mm -hmm. I don't like to give it, you know, five or ten turns and then put it on my yep. wrist. I feel like I'm doing the watch a disservice by, you know, making it play catch up for well, a while. It, isochronism. Yeah. So I like to wind it full, maybe not to the point where, you know, this, the mainsprings fight me back, mm -hmm. but I like to give it a good chance. Um, I heard a really cool analogy from another watchmaker, you know, that I knew very well. And he basically said, like, so it's like owning a V12 or something that you cherish and just putting your foot down to the metal, never taking it off when mm -hmm. you put it on a watch winder. Yeah, exactly. And what it's really meant to do is drive most of the time, you know, normal speeds. And right. then when you get to a canyon or you get to a tunnel, you That's just floor it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just putting your foot on the gas, essentially, you're just going to blow the motor up. Yeah, right? well, the way, I, the way my explanation has always been you're going to blow the transmission. Right. Because you're putting all that, all that pressure on the transmission to keep the mainspring wound. <clears throat> and then just a question for me. So the the bridle that you're talking about mm -hmm. that slips so you're not able to actually, you will normally feel like a you, click? You can feel it. Um, I don't know if you can feel it in your watch, but 2892, 2824 especially, um, Rolex models, if you wind it very, very carefully, once you start reaching that, you'll, you'll actually hear just a little extra click right. as you're winding the watch. You can, and that's the, that's the mainspring spinning inside of the right. barrel. You can normally, the, from experience, mm -hmm. feel it and yep. hear it. Mm -hmm. You'll hear um, it and feel. Would you say that that using that as a regular tool would be a deficit? Like if you if you let it click, like will the bridle eventually no. 100 times, 200 no. times? No, 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 okay. no. You're not putting, you're not doing any, any harm to the watch whatsoever. It's designed to do that throughout its life. Awesome. All right, well, listen, I learned something new. Hopefully you did too. Good question though. Yeah, all right. I like Mike. I think everybody does. So we'll probably Thanks, have to do this again. We gotta but, do it again. Yeah. And that's not just the whiskey talking. All right, guys, we're gonna go ahead and sign off. Enjoy your Thursday. Uh, or if you're watching this on Friday, happy Friday. Cheers. Cheers.